This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sunday night service. We're going to have a great time tonight. And man, hasn't it been awesome, the drive-in services we've been able to do, just to be together on this place that we all love. Man, it's been awesome. And we thank you for everybody that's been coming out. It's been an absolute success. We love you guys. And of course, some really great things are coming next week. So we love you so much. Tonight... We're going to get into the sermon. I've got something that's been stirring on my heart for you, and and I believe that it's a word in due season if you'll listen up. And so I want to pray, and I want to get right into the Word of God tonight and go full speed ahead as we see what God's trying to say to us. So let's do this. Let's pray. And as we do, I encourage you, like we always do, tag somebody on Facebook, man. Share this video so People can hear the word of God just like you're doing. You've never had a greater chance to share the gospel than you do right now. And it's never been needed more than it's needed right now. So let's do this together. I'll dish the word out there to you. And I want you to share it with somebody else. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word, Lord, your holy written word. And I pray tonight that as we open it up, as we study, you're going to speak to us, you're going to challenge us, you're going to encourage us, and most of all, you're going to change us for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody out there said with me, amen. All right, so the title tonight is this, and maybe it's a phrase you've heard, and it's from Jesus, the phrase, and the title is this. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. And this is something that Jesus said, or as the New Living Translation says, get away from me, Satan. And really, when you read the context of that, this was not something that Jesus said to Satan himself. On the contrary, it was something he said to one of his very best friends, to Peter. And I can't imagine, you know, to one of my friends says something uh, like Peter said, and I'm like, man, get away from me, Satan. I wouldn't want to call one of my friends that. But of course, Jesus had a bigger uh, thing he was trying to get across to us here. And he was never wrong in what he did. He was exactly right. And so this is in Mark 8, verse 33. Jesus has been telling his disciples That he's getting ready to die on the cross. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to die. He's going to be crucified. And Peter starts saying, no, don't don't say things like that. In fact, it says he was reprimanding Jesus. And and he was like, don't talk like that. We're never going to let that happen. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus turned around, verse 33, and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Wow. I mean, the, the phrase, get away from me, Satan, is big enough in and of itself. But then Jesus said something a whole lot deeper to let us know what was so messed up with what Peter was saying. He said, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Peter didn't know it, but he was being used by the devil. He was trying to talk Jesus out of fulfilling his will. Now, what if Peter had talked Jesus out of dying on the cross? We would be in really, really bad shape right now in 2020. Because if Jesus didn't die and pay the price for our sins and rise again, man, we would be in a horrible, 
unimaginable mess and situation and really a hopeless situation because I can't pay the price for my own sins. I'm, I'm not that good. Jesus had to do it. And I'm glad that Jesus reprimanded Peter and said, no, quit, quit, quit doing that. So there's obvious danger to us when we see things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. And in everything going on in our world right now, and all the decisions we're making as a church, and all the things that you're doing in your life, we've got to see things from God's point of view, not merely the human point of view. All right, and so tonight we're going to look at uh, three different things that happen when you see things from a human perspective. Three things that are going to happen when you merely see things from a human perspective. And again, if, if you're a disciple, if you're a, a devout, born-again Christian, all this stuff is, I mean, yeah, you get it. Somebody that's lukewarm or not really committed to God, or especially somebody that's not a Christian at all, uh, I mean, they don't get this stuff, and, and they don't want to get it. But, you know, you, you tell them, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to be at church this Sunday, and, and someone's going to say, Hey, do you really need to go? It's like you're watching their videos all the time. You're you're uh, you're going to these driving services. You're praying every day. You're reading your Bible every day. You're you're giving money. You're you're helping other people out. I mean, pump the brakes. Calm down. You're gonna wear yourself out. And why would they say that? Because they're seeing things merely from a human perspective. And somebody would say, Well, come on, you're only human, man. Don't insult me. I'm not only human. Part of me is human, right? But I'm a three-part being because I'm made in the image of God. I've got my spirit and I've got my soul. And one-third of me is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's born again, filled with the Spirit. One-third of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost, brother. Don't tell me I'm only human because I'm not. That's only part of who I am. And so we're going to see, again, what happens when you only see things from the human point of view. Number one, you're going to... Limit God in your life. You'll limit God in your life. Because we all have two sets of eyes. We've got our physical, natural eyes, right? But then we've got our spiritual eyes. And Paul called them the eyes of our understanding. He prayed that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And I want to look at something here, though, in Ephesians 3, verse 20. Ephesians 3, verse 20. And this is a verse that's probably, hey, familiar to you. It's an exciting verse. It's a verse that has pumped me up many, many times. But there is, man, it, it's true. It's absolutely true. Ephesians 3, in verse 20, in the New King James, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And so it tells us right here that God is able and he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think. And so sometimes you think, well, I, I mean, I, I've got an idea of what I want for my life and, and, and I would love it if this would happen. And God's saying, man, I could do exceeding abundantly, not only above all you could ask, but also above all you could think. And so when you see things from the human perspective, you're going to limit God. You're going to put a cap 
on the blessings that he can do for you. Because God's going to say, man, I want to do this in you and through you. And your understanding, your your human perspective is going to say, well, I don't see how that could ever be possible. I I just I, I'm from this family. I was born in this town. I work this job. I've got this education. Uh, there's no way you'll limit what God wants to do in your life because God's plans are far beyond anything we could comprehend, right? I mean, we all say amen to that, but you need to get that revelation in your heart that his plans are greater than your plans for your life, than your mom's plans for your life, than your dad's, than your grandma's plans for your life. God's got something big he wants to do in you, but if you're trapped in here, you're never going to believe it. You're never going to let it happen. And I believe that there's two reasons why God, well, probably more, but at least two main reasons why God doesn't just give you the whole picture all at once. I know a lot of times people are like, well, I know God's got plans for my life, but why Why am I here right now? And why did this happen right now? Well, he couldn't give you the full plan all at once. He couldn't show you the big picture. One reason is because you wouldn't believe it. If you really could see the end result of what God wants your life to be like, you wouldn't believe it. It's too great for you to even comprehend and believe right now. We know that 1 Corinthians 2.9, which we taught on uh, when we were discussing heaven on a Wednesday night, says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, you, you can't even uh, understand and imagine what God has prepared if you're someone that loves him. He's got some good stuff he wants to do in your life. But if you're trapped in the realm of human understanding, it's not going to happen. You are going to limit God. Another reason he doesn't show us the big picture, I believe, is you just try to rush out and make it all happen in your own strength right now. You say, OK, OK, so that's what God wants. Uh, well, I got to get on. I, I, I got to go make it happen right now. I got to call this guy. I got to do that. And you, once again, in your dangerous human comprehension and understanding, would try to make it all happen overnight. But God doesn't do the overnight success thing. He leads us in steps. Psalm 37 tells us that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, not the great big giant leaps. Sometimes he calls us to do a great big giant leap, but he usually leads us in small steps, one thing at a time. And it's just like a, a baby. Most babies I know anyway. We've had four and I've got a church full of them. But most of the babies I know, they don't just take off running. Most of them, they take a few steps here. They fall down. We don't make fun of them and say, man, what's wrong with you? You can't even take can't even successfully complete three steps. No. We get them back up, and then they take a few more steps, and they grow in it. Next thing you know, somebody that started out there, they could be an Olympic runner someday. And that's awesome, but they didn't start on the gold medal stand. They started taking a couple of steps at a time and stumbling around until they really got it down. And that's what God's going to do in your life. If you don't take the simple little steps he's given you, you'll never see things his way. We're talking about the danger of being trapped in human understanding. And that's what caused Jesus to tell Peter, get away from me, Satan. And I don't want Jesus to say that to me. Come on. Number two, what happens is you won't obey the Bible. Number one, you'll limit what God wants to do. But number two, you flat out, you won't obey the Bible because let's get real. There's parts of the Bible that do not line up with my understanding. 
There's parts of the Bible that do not line up with my experiences. There's parts of the Bible that, I mean, I don't frankly always like and enjoy. But guess what? I'm wrong. The Bible's right. Whenever it comes down to it, and, I, and there's a disagreement between me and the Bible, I'm wrong, and the Bible's right. And if I am so trapped in, well, I don't understand that, so I'm just going to, I'm not going to obey it, I won't obey what the Bible says. Um, I'll end up doing whatever makes me feel happy at the moment. And only doing what makes you feel happy is a very dangerous thing. Again, I've got kids, and I mean, what they would love, if I could leave it up to them, they'd eat ice cream and gummy bears every meal and Doritos, and they sit there and probably want to play video games or watch TV all day. And if like, well, it makes them happy, that's not a good and healthy way to live your life. Only doing what makes you happy. Because sometimes God's going to ask you to make some hard decisions that at the moment might not make you feel real happy, but in the end, the big picture, he's got a glorious thing planned. But some of the steps he calls us to take and ask us to, uh, to, to take out and step out and take, listen, they aren't always the thing that we feel like doing right then. So I want to look at another one of Peter's bright moments. We love Peter. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. We love Peter. And uh, he ended up being just, as Jesus said, a rock, an absolute rock. But he, he was kind of a loose cannon for a while there. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. Seventy times seven. And so I believe Peter came up to Jesus and, and thought he was going to impress him and say, okay, Lord, what if I forgive someone seven times? He thought that that was going to be just an absolute, uh, Jesus was going to say, man, good job, Peter, you got it now. But no, Jesus said, that's not good enough. You're limiting yourself. In Peter's understanding, seven seemed mind-blowing. But then Jesus comes in and goes nuclear and says, 70 times seven. And I can just see Peter, that was, that was more than he could even understand and comprehend. And that's what Jesus does. You think you've got it figured out. And he's like, oh, that's cute. But look, here's what I really want. And that's what he did to Peter right there. And, uh, you know, why, why discuss, for, you know, I think this is perfect. Why discuss forgiveness in the midst of all this? Well, one reason is this is going to be an area that is the absolute hardest to step outside of our own understanding. in. you know, out of all the things that are understanding, there are sometimes Jesus is asking you to forgive somebody and you, do, you can't understand it. Why? Well, when we obey the word, we see the big picture. It's for your benefit. It's to keep you healthy. It's to extend your life. It's so Jesus can use you because Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works by love. And if we are trapped in our own logic and understanding and can't forgive somebody, we are going to harm ourselves. We're going to limit God. There's all sorts of reasons. But I love that, that, that Jesus dealt with Peter on the unforgiveness thing here. And, and, and Peter, he received it. So... We're going to skip forward a few verses, same chapter, Matthew 18, verses 32 through 35, uh, because Jesus went on to tell about a man who owed millions of dollars to the king but couldn't pay it. 
The king felt pity and forgave him of the entire debt. But then this guy uh, went to a man that owed him a few thousand dollars. And he had the guy put in jail for it. So imagine that. You owe somebody millions of dollars. They say, you know what, I can see that you can't pay it. So let's just let's just write it off. And then you turn around and go to somebody that owes you, I mean, a, a fraction of that. Uh, you, somebody owes you a thousand bucks and you say, listen here, you pay it now or I'm going to have you put in jail. That's wrong. That's injustice. When you've been forgiven of millions, but you hold a thousand against somebody else, that's messed up. And that's what happened right here. And uh, it takes the king off. So Matthew 18, verse 32. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. I mean, let's give a shout out to torture here. Who enjoys torture? Nobody enjoys torture. But Jesus said that's what's going to happen to you if you can't extend forgiveness to somebody else after what Jesus forgave you of. So, again, what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about forgiveness, but the big picture of what I'm talking about right now is understanding things from God's point of view, not the human perspective. Because your friends, they may mean well, your family, they may mean well, but they will talk you out of obeying the Bible. They'll say, oh man, you, you don't need to forgive that person. You don't need to, you don't need to do that. You don't, you don't need to live this way. Come on, that's ridiculous. They'll try to talk you out of it. You need to be careful who you are surrounding yourself with. You, let's go a step further, need to be careful who you're listening to on the internet. I mean, come on, especially right now when everyone's been trapped in their homes for months. Uh, there's a lot of great preachers and people on the internet, a lot of awesome stuff going on. But then there's also uh, a lot of not good stuff being out there. And I mean, I, I've seen my friends and the different people just reposting stuff and saying amen to stuff. And I'm like, buddy, that is not scriptural, what you're sharing right there. That is not in the Bible right there. And you need to be careful because there's a lot of people that see things from a human point of view and not from God's point of view and that is a trap and that caused Jesus to say to Peter get thee behind me Satan it caused Jesus to call one of his best friends Satan I mean that is crazy so guard yourself and the way that you are seeing things and viewing things and handling your life the third thing we're going to say is this all right. Number one, if we're just seeing things from a human perspective, we're going to limit God. Number two, you're not going to obey the Bible. And number three, you'll talk yourself out of doing what God called you to do. Amen. You'll talk yourself out of doing what God called you to do. Uh, you're going to think things like, well, I know God's saying this, but this just isn't enough money. I mean, there's some people, God may be calling you into ministry, but you're like, well, uh, but I make so much money right now. I, I, I couldn't leave this behind. And listen, if God is telling you to do something, it's a whole lot more dangerous to not do it. 
than to stay in your comfort zone. And boy, are we learning that right now in, in the way the world is these days. It'd be so much more comfortable and easy right now to just, uh, to just stay the course. And well, we've got into a good groove of recording services. We've got into a good groove of, you know, it's easy. It's comfortable. And it's taken a step of faith to do some of the stuff we're doing to, to start, uh, regathering and and doing the things that we're doing it's taking a step of faith and some people say well that's that's kind of crazy that's a little bit you know that's a little risky that's a little dangerous listen it's more risky to not obey god and i'm more afraid of not doing what god's telling us to do than to step out in faith and do what he's told us to do it's a lot more of a risk to disobey god and so if you're just looking at things from a human perspective You'll eventually quit when things get hard or you're asked to do something you don't want to do. What does a young, immature employee do when the boss tells them to do something they don't want to do? I remember my my first job was uh, working at a fried chicken place, Sergeant Pepper's Chicken in Martinsville, Indiana. Big shout out to them. My best to me fried chicken in the world. But anyway, so... Uh, you know, as I worked there, 16 year old kid, man, there was, you know, of course, all these other teenagers that worked there. And what happens when you tell them to go mop a floor and they don't want to do it? Well, that's, I'm not good at that anyway, or, or I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like it today, or they call in, or, or, or they just quit. You, you know what? I don't have to take this. I don't, I mean, there's plenty of other jobs out there. Well, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But an immature person, that only sees things from their perspective, they quit when things get hard or they are asked to do something that they don't want to do. And I'm going to just go ahead and tell you right now, I don't want to burst your bubble or, or uh, ruin your day, but God's going to eventually ask you to do something that you don't want to do. And that's when your submission is tested. Your submission isn't tested by only doing everything that, well, you know, I mean, I do everything that I feel like doing for God. That's great, but that's not submission. We don't know you're submissive until you do something that you don't feel like doing or you don't agree with in your own understanding. That's when you know if you're a submissive person. So let's see one more story here. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew has been our thing today. Matthew chapter 19. And uh, we're going to see here a story of a young man that came to Jesus. And thought he had some bright ideas and Jesus asked him to do something he didn't want to do. And, you know, a lot of people in their life uh, have this this angle of, well, that's not fair. And, and how come this and how come that? And, and, and I need to do this. That's not fair. Listen, bro, the fair is where you ride rides and pet ponies. This is real life we're talking about here. And real life isn't always fair. You've got to get that out of your vocabulary, man. The fair is where you eat cotton candy. Listen, this is real life. And if you're going to do anything for Jesus, there's going to be times where it's just flat out not fair. All your friends get to go do something else, but God's calling you to stay back and pray. All your everybody else, you know, is going to go do this and have that. And God's calling you to fast. Listen, you've got to get fair out of your vocabulary or you're going to be limited to your own human understanding. So Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22, someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what's good? Jesus replied, there's only one who's good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And so here this kind of arrogant 
young guy, that is what I'm imagining, an arrogant young man, says, okay, which ones? The man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. He's like, oh, I'm golden. I've got this. I've done every single one of those. This guy replied to Jesus, what else must I do? Jesus told him, okay, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus could have changed this man's life, but he wanted to cling to what he had in this life. Jesus, can you imagine? He just got a personal invitation. You go do this, this, and this. You come join my group. You can follow me everywhere. And Jesus knew that the man was seeing things from his own understanding. He's like, oh man, come on, that's not fair. Why didn't you ask somebody that's poor, you know, somebody that's not rich like me to sell their possessions? They don't have very much anyway. It wouldn't hurt that bad. But I've got a lot of stuff. I've got cars. I've got a great house. I've got, you know, I've got my Xbox, my, my PlayStation. I, I, I've got all this stuff. That's not fair to ask me to do that. So the guy turns around and walks away sad and doesn't obey. He talked himself out of doing what Jesus was calling him to do. Now, Think about how Jesus did what he probably didn't feel like doing. What did he do? He laid down his life. You think he felt like doing that? You think he just woke up and, hey man, this was like a great day to get murdered. Wow. No. (laughs) He crucified the flesh and did something that he did not feel like doing because he saw the big picture. And so my challenge to you tonight is this. Listen. Don't get trapped in only seeing things from the human perspective. We've got to have God's point of view. We've got to see things from his angle. Well, how do we see things from his angle? By getting into the word of God more than you are on Instagram. By listening to the word of God more than you're listening to CNN or Fox News or whatever it is in the world that you're listening to. Listen, if you're going to start seeing things from God's perspective, you're going to have to be a lot more surrounded by the Word of God than you are the opinions of your friends, than you are the news, than you are the music that you're wanting to listen to. Listen, it's going to take some sacrifice because, well, I just don't feel like reading the Bible today. I just don't feel, I'd feel a whole lot better if I could do this right here. Well, you're going to have to crucify the flesh, step out of the boat, get out of your comfort zone, and really do what he's calling you to do. And so that's my challenge to you tonight. Listen, I don't want Jesus to have to say, man, get behind me, Satan, and and, 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 and have to treat me that way. No, I want to submit and do things the way that he's telling me to do. So if he's speaking something to your heart right now, and it's in line with the word of God, it's in your best interest to do it. Even if you don't feel like it, it's in your best interest to obey. You may not know why right now, but you will in due time. You'll eventually know why. Amen. Hallelujah.
me say a prayer over you tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for everybody watching right now. Everybody that laid aside a half hour of their time tonight to, to hear the word of God on a Sunday night, on a, on a holiday weekend Sunday night at that. Lord, I pray that as you're speaking to their heart and, and doing things in them, that they're going to listen and obey and they're going to submit to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get into our Sunday night tithes and offerings. I've got a verse that uh, kind of goes along with some of what we were just saying right there. Galatians 6, this is for our offering. And uh, and remember, you can give the best way right now is online, hdwc.org slash giving. We've got the phone number there that you can text or whatnot. But, uh, but, but listen, we thank you for your faithfulness and your support. Galatians 6, verse 9. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And so I'm absolutely challenging you right now and encouraging you that keep doing the right thing with your finances. Keep tithing. Keep paying off debt. Keep uh, 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 giving offerings. Keep keep sticking to what uh, the budget is. Keep doing the right things. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not seeing the difference yet. In due season, you shall reap if you faint not. Don't give up. Don't faint. Do the right thing. Amen. And God's going to open the doors and keep pouring in the blessings. Let's say our financial faith confession together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love it. And now we're going to close out with our Barstow Faith Confession. And I cannot tell you how powerful and awesome it is to hear us say this together when we're here at God's house. And so I'm asking you to say it loud, say it proud with me as we speak some words of faith and one of the things in here is we are speaking words of faith over all the churches in Barstow, not just High Desert, but everybody. We're speaking words of faith over the Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching churches, and especially in this season, do me a favor, be praying for our local churches that they would be able to follow God's plan and hear the Spirit and be safe as they're making hard choices right now. Amen? Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys, and we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.